The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear worthy bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Yes, careful. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord. Jesus Christ. What are you waiting for? It's a good question. And on the second Sunday of Advent, John the Baptist comes front and center. It's his Sunday. It's John the Baptist Sunday. Even in the old one-year lectionary, John the Baptist on the second Sunday in Advent is the main feature the main attraction, and some attraction he is, huh? And along with that comes the amazing and beautiful passage from Isaiah where we get this beautiful image of the stump and the shoot. Well, John, he hits us pretty hard, doesn't he? He is a blast. You brood of vipers. Of course, that's not us. He was talking to the scribes and Pharisees. He wouldn't say that to us. And then he says about Jesus that Jesus will, comes with his winnowing fork in his hand. He'll gather the wheat but burn up the chaff. 
I hope we're not the chaff. I mean, these words of John are, they sting. They hit us hard. And he says that he's preaching a baptism. He's for the repentance and forgiveness of sins. He's preaching a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sin. This is what he is doing. This is what he's up to out in the wilderness. There's a lot of people have debated what kind of baptism is this. Is this Christian baptism? Is it not? Etc. But one thing, and this maybe we'll just do this as a footnote because you love footnotes, right? So I can get back to the main point. But it's interesting, this passage is one that Luther was working with when he comes upon his big realization and that kind of launches him into um, the 95 Theses. Um, And you're thinking, well, why would that be? Well, it's the word repentance. It's metanoia. We've talked about this before. And the way in Latin, the Latin translate, the Vulgate translated that is do penance. Luther went back to the Greek and he said, that's not what it means at all. In fact, repentance is something that when it's preached, it happens to you. You are transformed. You are changed in the forgiveness of sins. Um, So it's something not so much that we do, but something that happens to us. This was a big realization for Luther because the church was all about the system of penance. You do this, and then you get forgiveness. And Luther said that's all wrong. Okay, back to the main point. But the trouble for John, even with this preaching of repentance and forgiveness, this metanoia that happens, the trouble for him, everything's fine. People are coming out, they're being baptized, all is good. And then some people show up that John is not happy about. It's not the people you would expect. The Pharisees were the ones devoted the most to the law. They were devoted so much so that they took all the laws and tried to apply them to everyday life. The scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they come out too. Why would they come out to John? Interesting. But they come out, and that's when John launches into his, you vote a brood of vipers. And that's not, that's, I won't go into what it really meant back then, but it wouldn't be acceptable language in church today. It's a little bit like Jonah. Do you remember Jonah? God says, go preach to the Ninevites. And Jonah says, I'm out of here. Gets on the ship to run away because I am not preaching to the Ninevites. Not because he was afraid of him, but because he knew God was gracious and merciful and would forgive the Ninevites if they repented. And here come The scribes and the Pharisees, the ones, the hypocrites, the ones that John was so much against. Some people think John might have been an Essene. We don't hear about the Essenes in the New Testament. We hear it from Josephus, and some people think that he might have been an Essene, and the Essenes were very, very upset at the ruling elite of the Jewish people. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people who ran the temple, they thought they were all corrupt. They were so corrupt that they were going to go, they left Jerusalem, they left and they created their own little community. Sound familiar? I don't know if that's true, but John is not happy that these folks are coming out to receive the baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. 
So then something even worse happens. And we don't get it in the Advent text. I mean, you've got to stop somewhere when you read the Gospels, right? But somebody else shows up after this. Do you remember who shows up? Jesus. And Jesus wants John to baptize him. And what does John say? Oh, good, I'm so honored to do that. He says, no way! You don't need baptism. And he's upset, too, on the opposite end. I mean, he doesn't want to give it to the the ruling elite because they're hypocrites, and now he doesn't want to give it to Jesus because he doesn't need it. But then Jesus says something amazing. It's always struck me. It's always fascinated me. I've always wondered what it might mean. He says, it must be so to fulfill all righteousness. All righteousness. Jesus, you see, Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians, the one who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus receives the baptism because in that baptism he's taking on, he's this foreshadowing of what he did on the cross. The cross is talked about as is obviously a death. Baptism is a death. And Jesus takes that on completely because he's taking on all of humanity. So, was that what was John was expecting the Messiah to do? I don't think so. You know, John is a great preacher. He prepares the way for Jesus. But um, did Jesus fulfill John's picture that he has his winnowing fork in his hand and he's going to wipe out all those unrighteous sinners and he's going to preserve all those saintly people? Hmm. And I think if you, you know, sometimes we think about the expectations of the people in Jesus' day that they were expecting a Messiah to be a, a military, military ruler to get rid of the Romans. That's true. A lot of people believe that. But even more so, it was that the Messiah would come and get rid of all this unrighteous and all these unrighteous, unholy people, these Gentiles and all of, and especially the corrupt elite who were ruling the temple, who were appointed by the Caesar of Rome to rule the temple. These people, and so the Messiah was going to take care of this, and I think that's what John is expecting. But is that what Jesus did? If you're not sure if I'm preaching heresy right now, think about when later some people come, John sends some, one of his disciples to Jesus, and what, is, what are, he, are they told to ask him? Are you the one, or should we look for another? You see, John wasn't sure when he saw what Jesus is doing that he was the one. He had his idea. He proclaimed. He was that voice in the wilderness. But he didn't quite have it right. And the answer was right before him, though, from Isaiah. And you heard the passage today. There's a stump and a shoot. Yes, the stump is Israel. Israel did not achieve what it was called to do, and God cut them off and sent them off into exile. That's the historical context of Isaiah. But if we think that's all the stump is, we've missed the boat completely, like John kind of missed the boat. No, the stump 
is all human striving, all human sin, our presumption of righteousness, our thought that we can merit ourselves and get ourselves up to a place where God will accept us, or that our ethnicity or our group that we're in the in-group and everybody else is in the out-group, that we are righteous that way. John says it perfectly. God can make sons and daughters of Abram out of those stones. And then that's exactly what Jesus would do. That part John got perfectly right. So the stump, that's what the stump is, and that's a part of our lives. But there is a shoot that came out of that stump, and that shoot is, of course, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that shoot arises in each and every one of our lives. And so what does Jesus do? He doesn't burn up the sinners. He burns up our sin. That's the difference. That's the key that John didn't quite get. The problem is human sin in every person and in every heart, and he burns that up as we are baptized, as we have our sins forgiven. And he makes us whole. That's what you receive today. That's what you receive every day as we come together in word and sacrament. That's what you'll receive in the meal today. I mean, you might not think of bread and wine burning up your sin, but that's exactly what it does. It burns up the chaff inside each and every one of us, forgives us, and makes us whole. So what are you waiting for? <laughs> well, I think what you're waiting for is that you see it in all perfection. Because right now we don't. Like I just told you, your sins are forgiven and the chaff is burnt up, but I don't see you jumping out of your pews right now and dancing in the aisles. That's okay, you don't need to do that. Because we don't just feel it, even though we hear it, and even though it's true, we don't feel it. Well, that's what we're waiting for, that day when Christ comes again and makes all new, and we see it, and there's no seeing through a mirror dimly anymore, and it's completely whole. It's actually right now, you've got it right now, but someday we'll see it in its completion. It won't, we won't have a foretaste like we have at this table of the meal to come. We'll actually have the meal with the Messiah. That's what we're waiting for. We're not waiting for Jesus to make us whole. That's happened right now. Do you remember, what is that movie? What's that movie with the Empire State Building? And was it uh, Cary Grant, I think? I don't know. Uh, Fair to Remember? Anybody seen that, you know, or something like that? And, and, it, and the, the reason I bring it up is because didn't they miss? They were going to meet, and they, something got delayed, and somebody got, oh, one fell. The, she fell and hurt herself, and so they missed each other, and that set off the whole movie. And finally, at the end, they get back together, I guess. You know, I, it's like not too long ago I had an appointment to meet someone at Starbucks. I was there waiting for them. And they called me up and they said, where are you? I said, oh, I guess there's a few Starbucks in town. <laughs> what I've done just now, and then we scrambled and met at the right Starbucks, what I've just now is put you together. What are you waiting for? You're not waiting for anything. Jesus has come and made you whole, made you right, right now in his life, death, and resurrection. That's, it's real. You don't have to wait for that. But yeah, we'll wait. 
went for the time when there'll be no more tears and no more sorrow and no more seeing through a mirror dimly. And that day will come because the first day has come in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.